and welcome to the Warriors Arise podcast. Warriors Arise exists to educate and empower women to break free from the labels of their past in order to find hope, passion, and purpose. We pray that this message speaks to you, and if so, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And please be sure to share with your friends. As a fellow warrior, you play an important role in delivering a message of hope and freedom to countless women who desperately need to hear it. We hope that you enjoy the final week of the Battle of Identity. Hi, and welcome back to the Warriors Arise podcast. We are on week four of the series, The Battle of Identity. My name is Susie Hansen, and I am so excited to be here with you guys today. This has been such a great series. In week one, we talked about the different things that can shape our identity. In week two, we heard a powerful testimony of how God radically changed our friend Tyler Botney. And in week three, we heard from our friend Sherry Yates on overcoming the labels that marked us. If you've missed any of these podcasts, I want to encourage you to go back and check them out. This brings us to week number four of the Battle of Identity, and today I have a very special guest with me. I've known this guest for 18 plus years, and I'm pretty crazy about him. Joining me today is my husband, Christian Hansen. Hey, Christian. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Well, I'm glad that you said yes. (laughs) I'm excited that you're here with me for this final week of the Battle of Identity. I'm excited. So in the first week, as we discussed, we talked about some different things that shape our identity. A few examples of that would be our social status Mm -hmm. or the trap of comparison. I don't know about you, but that's a big one for Mm -hmm. me. Words that other people spoke over us or words that we even speak over ourselves. Sometimes I can be my own worst enemy. Traumatic events such as abuse in its variety of forms, whether it was physical abuse, sexual or emotional abuse. These are just a few of the things that we discussed So, Christian, what would you say shaped your identity? What are some things that you had to overcome or that may have marked you in childhood that created a false identity for you? Listening to the first podcast episode, and it was such a a powerful message. Mm -hmm. And I spent a good deal of time kind of thinking back on my life that, you know, before I I became a Christ follower and, and what kind of would define me and what created my identity. Mm-hmm. I can point to a number of traumas in my life that kind of shaped who I was, but I gave it some real sincere thought. And, you know, when I was born, I was actually born into a tumultuous relationship. My father was cheating on my mother and, and they divorced shortly after I was born. And I moved with my mom to a small coal mining town in Pennsylvania. <laughs> One of those one of those towns where everybody knows everybody right, and right. and kids still walk the streets and, <laughs> and, you know, it was, that was probably one of the happiest times of my life. One of my very first memories was I would get up in the morning mm-hmm. and leave the house and before anybody else was up and I'd go over to the neighbor's house one after another and they would feed me breakfast and hang out with me and play with me. And it would get late and my mom would have to send my brother to go find me right. um, down the street somewhere. And uh, 
what I remember about that time was that I was just, I was happy and I was loved and I felt safe. And my parents got to talking and decided that I should spend some time, my brother and I should spend some time with my dad. So without even having a conversation with me, they just packed me up and my brother up and shipped me off to live with my dad. And I didn't understand what was happening. I was very young at the time. And your dad lived in a completely different state. So it's not like... Yeah, I was were... hours and hours away. Right. And so, you know, unfortunately, some some things happened. I was physically and emotionally abused, actually, from that point forward in my life. So there was this time in my life when I was happy. And then this event happened mm-hmm. that I couldn't explain and nobody explained to me. And from that point on, my life was uh, difficult. And... It was like the mark of the beginning of right. your false identity. Right. And it wasn't until years, years, years later sure. that I looked back on that time and realized what I felt. Mm-hmm. I felt unloved and I felt unlovable. This was my first and most powerful label. For years after, I was emotionally, physically abused, neglected and abandoned, which did nothing but reinforce that core belief And it became hardwired in my identity, which led me on a near lifelong journey of godlessness, addiction, and promiscuity. Now, so it became your identity. Those things that happened to you at a very early age, like five, six, seven, eight years old, marked you in a way that you began to act out. And so tell me a little bit briefly where that went for you. So you had these events that happened to you as a child and you felt unloved and unwanted. And so as those labels, I'm unloved, I'm unwanted, what did that result in? That resulted in 30 years of living a lost and broken life. Mm -hmm. Seeking approval of others, the love of others um, is such a slippery slope. It took me into all kinds of drug addiction, Mm -hmm. which led to legal troubles, multiple failed marriages. My life was a mess. Yeah. And then one day I met this gorgeous woman. She was absolutely (laughs) amazing. And one of the very first things that we did together, she invited me to church. Yeah. She was, she's awesome. She's a pretty cool woman. (laughs) Thank you. So y'all for, thank you church. for inviting me to church. Yeah, by the you're welcome. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> so she took me to her church, and the the church was in the middle of a series called the the Warrior. Uh huh. And it was it was a men's series about you know what it looks like to be a godly man. Yeah. Which I had no idea. And the second week of that series was called the Wounded Warrior. Yeah, I remember that. And, you know, that week I sat in my seat and I swear the pastor was preaching right at me. Mm, I love it when that happens. Yeah. Um, (laughs) About halfway through, the pastor said, um, a wounded warrior craves for someone to say, I love you, not for what you do, but for who you are. And until the wounded warrior heals and learns to accept unconditional love, he will be cursed to a life of trying to perform for someone else's approval. Mm. And that hit home. Yeah. Those are powerful words. I sat there and cried. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you what the rest of that message message was about, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you that when he was done with the message and did the altar call. Raised your hand that day. I raised my hand that day. No one had ever explained to me 
who Jesus was. I'd read, I had a, a kind of understanding. I'd gone to church a couple of times, but that didn't work for me. I'm so glad you said that because oftentimes we can find ourselves in those positions where we don't know Jesus. I was raised in church, but I never connected to Jesus. There was never any relationship with Jesus. Everybody talks about getting to know your father, getting to yeah. know Jesus. And I I didn't. And here's how I explain it. You have a movie star, let's say Betty White. And everybody knows who Betty White is, especially mm -hmm. at this time in, in life. Betty White is in the news a lot right now. And so we may know Betty White and we may be hearing a lot about her, her career as an actress, but we don't have personal relationship yeah. with Betty White. And that's the way God always was for me. I had heard about God and I knew who he was. And I had sat in enough church services that I had a lot of information. But there was never any personal relationship. And that's the thing about identity is we can't truly know whose we are until we know who we belong to. And, you know, Scripture tells us in Romans 12 to do not be conformed to this world, but we've got to have a renewing of our mind. I'm paraphrasing there. So how do we begin to renew our minds? So basically, we're raised because I had a, you know, similar childhood to yours in the sense that, you know, due to some traumatic events that had happened to me at a very young age, I began acting out a lot. And so I was always in trouble. And so I just felt like that I was broken. There was something wrong with me. I was, you know, when they put me together at the manufacturer, they missed a step or something, I you know, so <laughs> it's like, I'm the one with the problem. The rest of the world is fine. Uh -huh. I messed up. And so, and it wasn't until I'd become to know whose I was that I had to know who I belonged to. So that might seem very confusing, but how do you get to know someone? So we, we just gave this illustration, Betty White versus God. We may know who they are. We may know information, but there's no personal relationship. So the first step of knowing your identity, it's so much more than just ingesting scripture. So, you know, Satan, who is a very real enemy, he knows scripture inside and out. If you know the Bible at all, there were the Pharisees who were the religious leaders who had Jesus crucified. They knew scripture inside and out, That's but right. there was no personal relationship. And so to know scripture and to stop there means that we just have a head full of knowledge, right. which isn't enough. And so how do you get to know anyone? So let's just... Use, for example, our relationship, Christian. When we first met, we spent a lot of time together. That's right. And, you know, we would go have coffee or go have lunch, and we would talk for hours, and we would share stories with each other, and that's how we got to know each other. Yeah, it was through that time that I, we gained a trust for one another, right? Yeah. You can't. You can't have faith and trust in something or someone until you get to know who they are. That's right. And so you would do the same thing to get to know your Heavenly Father. 
and that is to spend time with him in prayer. It, it, I get it. That's a hard concept when you're talking about a spirit being. It's, it's easy to sit down with you because we can see, feel, and touch each other. Mm-hmm. And to sit down with your Bible and read your word and speak to the Father, that is how you're going to get to know who the Father is. And when you know who your Heavenly Father is, then it becomes so much easier to trust Him, to feel comfort, to let your walls down, to begin to surrender to Him. When you've been traumatized and hurt and, you know, the walls of your mind are covered with all these labels that tell you that you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly, you're unwanted, you're unloved, just so on and so on and so on, it can be hard to believe anything else. Why is that so hard? Because we have an enemy and his name is Satan. And he hates God so much that he knows the only way that he can get to God is to hurt God's children. And Scripture tells us that God knew us before he created the foundations of the earth. We're told that we are his masterpiece in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. So that tells me that long before I was born, he purposed me to do good things. Mm -hmm. In Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So this scripture tells me that we were all created for a purpose. We are not mistakes. God created us on purpose for a purpose. Right. And, of course, our purpose in this life is to bring God glory. And so the enemy will stop at nothing to get us off track for the purpose that God intended for us. Yeah. And that means planting seeds in our young minds. So for you, it started at a very early age, what, three, four years old? That's about right, yeah where, you know, you were uprooted from this loving environment where you were happy and then you were planted into a completely different state and a completely different environment with people you didn't know. And there were traumatic events that happened to you at that time. For me, I was sexually abused starting at the age of four by a neighbor. And this went on a continuous basis for the next five or six years until we moved. And so these were events in our lives where the enemy came in to plant these seeds to get us to believe that these events were our fault, that we are bad people, that we are unloved. And then we spend the rest of our lives on that performance treadmill, trying to 
be approved by others. See, for me, it was like a ledger in my head. Like if I did enough good, if I was enough in the black, it would overcome the red, the bad things that I did. But no matter how hard I worked and no matter how hard I tried, I could never overcome and never be equal, never be fulfilled, never be lovable. Because you believed. I believed the lie. The lie. And here's how Satan deceives us, because he takes a seed of truth and builds a lie around it. And so we believe it because there is that seed of truth to it. And so that's why he's called the great deceiver. John, Jesus tells us in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 44, that, you know, Satan is a liar, that there is no truth in him, that when he speaks, he speaks his native language. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our native language is English. Satan's native language is lies. So there's no truth in him. And so anything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And so this is how we get so far off track. This is how we get so far away from God's intended purpose for our life. And we are so defeated. And sometimes it's not always a bad experience like the ones you and I had. You know, the trauma in our childhood led to addiction and bad relationships, legal troubles. You know, for some people, it is perfectionism. Yeah. And it's, I've got to be the straight A student and I've got to be the top of my class and I've got to be the best at everything that I do. So although the external piece of that may not be as messy as the alcoholic or the drug addict, the person whose life is outwardly a mess, that person who is the perfectionist may seem to have it all together. But the fact of the matter is, is that internally, the perfectionist and the mess the internal mess is the same. Does yeah, that make sense? Totally. So you don't have to struggle with addiction and be in legal trouble and have your life a disaster in order to be internally struggling with right, this. Right. And so what do you do when these things are happening? I think it's first I want you to understand that Satan does not have power over us. He only has the power that we give him. The reason that he doesn't want you to know these things is because he knows that once you know that you have authority over him, then he's going to lose his power. That's right. He wants to keep the power that he has over you because up until you have this knowledge, he knows that he has power over you and he can keep you in the dark to these truths. That's right. And he can keep you in this pit that he's had you in. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I want you to know is that Satan is a liar and that he does not have the power over you and that he may take seeds of truth from mistakes that you have made in your life or even traumatic events that have happened to you. These are not things that define you. And so Satan loses his power once you understand that he is a liar and that you're not defined by these things. In Luke 10, 19, Scripture tells us that we have all the power over him, that he has no power over us. And I want to read you that Scripture. Give me just a second to to look this up. But while I'm looking this up, just 
let that soak in for a minute and understand what that means, because this is good news. For me, I know that it was excellent news to understand that my life can be different, that I was not a defect, that you're not a defect, because God does not make mistakes. You are not a mistake. And the scripture tells us in Luke 10, 19, and this is Jesus talking, Jesus says that I have given you authority over the enemy. It says to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all, not some of the power, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Okay, but it also tells, it is good news. It tells us in Isaiah that, you know, the weapons may be forged against you. It doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to come after us. That's right. It doesn't mean that he's not going to try to get us to trip and stumble and fall. Mm -hmm. And so that scripture goes on to say, though, the weapons may be forged, but they will not prevail. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's shed light into this darkness because the light shatters the darkness. So first understanding you have an enemy and that you have power over him. You have the power to rise up in this dark place and understand that you are a daughter of the God and you are not a mistake and that you were created on purpose for a purpose. That is where our power comes from is knowing the truth. And when we can understand where our true identity comes from, then the enemy can no longer deceive us. That's right. And so the next thing that I would say you could do is to get into the word. And that is going to serve two purposes. One, we talked about spending time with our father, our heavenly father in prayer in prayer. Mm-hmm. And get into a quiet place, whether that's your closet, your car, just go someplace where you can be alone with the Father without any distractions. And I used to think that prayer had to be this formal thing. I didn't know the word. I didn't know how to pray. But here's the great thing about God. There's no wrong way to pray. That's right. It can just simply be, God, I'm clueless. Help me. Simply that simple. Sometimes I've had to just let him know how angry I was. Oh, absolutely. Communicate however you need to in that moment. I'm angry. I don't understand. I'm lost. I need help. I don't know what to do. Where are you? Are you even out there? Can you hear me? Are my prayers hitting the ceiling, Lord? I just don't feel like they're going anywhere. It's not so much the words as it is the connection that's important. Yeah, and and God already knows where your heart is, and and sometimes those words do activate change, just getting them out. Mm -hmm. So spend time with the Father. It doesn't have to be pretty. It can be like I was just saying. Tell Him how angry you are and how frustrated you are. Tell Him what you need, what you want, and then just sit in His presence Mm -hmm. and listen Get out your Bible and begin to read, and He will speak to you through the things that you read in Scripture oftentimes. Start in your New Testament. If you are new to Scripture, 
start in the book of John. It's a it's one of the gospels. It will tell you about the life of Jesus, and it is a great place to start. And you know, then that order of operation that you have there, where you you get before God and you open up and you pour out to him and then grab the word. Because when I first started reading the Bible, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It was, I might as well have been reading the Webster's Dictionary, <laughs> right? Or and, in French. <laughs> so, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But once I had that connection with God, I could begin to see his word differently when I was reading the Bible. Yeah, and that's a great point because when I first started reading the Bible, I, I might as well have been reading Greek or Hebrew because a lot of it went over my head as well. So what do you do when the word goes over your head? One of the things that I do is I always ask the Holy Spirit before I start reading to help me understand. Starting with a study Bible may help too. Study Bibles will have the notes at the bottom mm -hmm. that kind of help explain the verses if you're reading on your phone, um, the Bible app, the U version Bible app, it's a free Bible. It is amazing mm -hmm. and it has multiple different versions. So sometimes I'll try different versions of the Bible. I might be in the NIV, I might try the NLT, which message. the New Living Translation or the Message. So sometimes looking at a different translation where it's worded just slightly different helps understand. Mm -hmm. Get in a community, get a mentor, get somebody who has walked down this path and understands the scripture and just say, I was reading in the book of John last night in chapter one, and I don't understand what it means by, you know, for in the beginning, there was the word and, you know, on and on. So what does that mean? What is the word? I don't understand that scripture. It's so powerful when two or more get together and, and, and talk about the word. Yes, it really is. So these are the baby steps. Mm -hmm. These these are the steps to take to begin to remove those labels, those lies that we have believed about ourselves for years. Yeah. Is first understand that you have an enemy, but he doesn't have the power over you. Now that you know and understand you have an enemy, you have the power over the enemy to tell that enemy to get lost. Get to know your Heavenly Father. Get to know Jesus. You do that by spending time with them. Get in a quiet place and just have conversation with them like we're having conversation now. It doesn't have to be some kind of formality. It can just be, I'm angry. I'm happy. I'm so excited. Whatever is going on in the moment. And then as you're reading the word, I would encourage you is to Google. I love Google, the modern age of Google. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Google scriptures on love, scriptures on resentment, whatever you may be struggling with. Okay. Mm -hmm. And start reading the different scriptures that stand out to you and write those down on a note card. There are many scriptures in there on identity and who we are in Christ that I would encourage you to look up, write down on a card. So begin to carry those around with you everywhere that you go. And when you are struggling with, gosh, I'm such a terrible person. Our guest, Sherry Yates, from last week, her and her family created a game called Truth or Trash. And so begin <laughs> so to great. say to yeah. yourself, 
gosh, I'm such a screw up. That is trash. That does not line up with the truth of God's word. So you say, you know what? That is trash. And then you speak truth over it. I am God's masterpiece. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's going to take time. And I think that's the thing that I want you to understand is that this is a process. Mm -hmm. And over time, those moments will get fewer and fewer apart. Over time, you are going to begin to understand who you are and who you are. And those thoughts will not have power over you like they do right now. But do know that there will be days where you might take one step forward and two steps back. <laughs> and, you know, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say that there have been days where, you know, I'm trucking right along. I'm super confident. I know whose I am. I know who I am. And and then, bam, a life event will happen and all of a sudden, I'm back in a place where yeah. I'm second-guessing who I am. I'm second-guessing that I am a daughter of Christ, and, and it's hard to get out of bed. But that's okay. Just okay. give yourself permission to be in those places. And, and then you get up the next day, and you brush yourself off, and you remind yourself that you are God's masterpiece. But what's and, great is as you ingest the word and develop your relationship with God and understand your identity in Christ, those moments of despair, those moments of feeling inadequate, they're so much shorter once you fully understand because you can compare that to the truth of God's word. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can have a backwards moment now that might last, you know, a very short period of time versus when I first started this journey, days and weeks. Yeah. Now, you know, I can understand that I've fallen into the trap of the deceiver and that I'm falling for those lies. And I can go, wait a minute, you know, right. Satan, Get behind go me. back to where you came from. <laughs> and I remind myself of who I am. Well, Christian, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been a pleasure. I'm so glad that you were here. And thank you for joining us. And we hope to see you again next week for the start of our new series on destroying strongholds. Until then, be sure to like and share this podcast because Warriors Arise is on a mission to deliver a message of hope and freedom to hurting women. If you would like to talk with us, you can call us today at 405 482 44 one one. Or you can email us at info at warriorsariseministry.org. And thanks again for joining us. And remember, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you are not fighting for victory, but from victory. The battle has already been won.